This past Wednesday, we celebrated Chag Purim, the Festival of Lots, and wasn't it a wonderful Purim party? <laughs> Through reading the Megillah, participating in the Purim Spiel as actors and audience, eating hamantaschen, listening to Purim music, dressing up as Purim characters, and playing Purim games, we remembered the story of Esther and Mordecai. Yay! <laughs> Through a full sensory experience, it was awesome. At our Purim party, we remembered how the Lord used these two humble yids, Esther and Mordecai, to save our people from annihilation. But instead of Israel being annihilated, the Lord turned the tables and annihilated Haman and his evil minions instead. Baruch Hashem. The Lord has saved Israel many times from disaster, and the greatest of all these divine interventions was when our Father in Heaven sent Yeshua the Messiah, the Ben HaElohim, the Son of God, to save us from our sins. Could there be any greater deliverance? All of this raises the question, why does God rescue us in the first place? Why does he care so much? Doesn't it seem kind of odd that the king of the universe, time and time again, descends from heaven like Superman and saves us from disaster? Why is this? The answer is surprisingly simple and can be summed up in four words. We are his children. Because we are his children, he rescues us again and again. But what does it mean that we are his children? This morning, I would like to press into this question and share with you what the scriptures have to say on this subject. It is important that we understand this teaching deep inside our kishkas. We need to understand that we are precious to God, that he deeply loves us far more than we realize. Then, out of this profound and abiding awareness that we are his children, and the holy peace and joy that comes from this awareness, we can then view others as brothers and sisters and treat them in a way that reflects God's love for them too as his children. And this brings us to the question, how do we know who is and who is not part of the children of God? I would like to suggest, for your consideration, three answers to this question. First, all human beings are children of God because we bear the image of God. Second, all disciples of Yeshua, all those who follow Yeshua, who live lives of love, are children of God. And thirdly, Israel 
is God's firstborn son. Let's begin with number one. All human beings are children of God because we bear the image of God. Where do we bear the image of God? Do you see the image of God on me? Is it on my tie? Is it on my shirt? Is it on my new tie clip that my daughter gave me? No, the image of God is inside of us. That's the problem. It's that we don't see it on the, the face of people, on the surface of people. It's inside our souls. Yeshua's genealogy appears in two Gospels, Matthew and Luke. In Luke's Gospel, the Messiah's ancestry is traced from his adopted father, Yosef, or Joseph, all the way back to King David, and from King David all the way back to Abraham, and from Abraham all the way back, the Messiah's ancestry is traced all the way back to Noah. If we pick up Yeshua's genealogy in Luke chapter 3, verses 36 through 38, we read that Yeshua was a descendant of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lemech, the, the son of Metushalach, the son of Hanoch, the son of Yered, the son of Mahalaliel, uh, Mahal, <laughs> I think Hebrew is easier than transliteration. The son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Shet, the son of Adam, who was the son of God. Notably, Adam, Adam, is referred to in this passage as what? The son of God. Because Adam did not have a human father. God was his father. If we think of Adam as the son of God, and all of us as being children of Adam and Eve, of course, then there is a sense in which all people on earth are children or the great, 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 grandchildren of God. We are all sons and daughters of God because we are all children of Adam, the son of God. Let us remember that there is no exception to this. Even the arch enemies of Israel in every generation, like Haman. <laughs> Even Haman was a child of God. I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. He was. The Ayatollah Khomeini, who is in the hospital right now, is, believe it or not, a child of God. The head of ISIS, who is probably plotting to kill someone right now, is a child of God, believe it or not. The president of North Korea, Kim Jong-un, who seems to care very little about his people. I, Miriam told me a, a few weeks back that he wants all the people to have the same haircut that he has. What a guy. Even he is a child of God. 
believe it or not. They are all children of Adam, and they all bear the image of God. They may be wicked men, but they are all children of God, like you and like me. This is important to remember, especially when we think about the people in our lives who directly harm us or who get our goat. You know what I mean? In dealing with them, we must not forget that we are dealing with people who are children of God and bear the image of God. We may not see it on their tie. We may not see it on their shirt. But deep down inside, they bear the image of God. That is why we must speak the truth in love to everyone, without exception. Even if it is tough love, we must love our neighbor as oneself, because our neighbor is a fellow child of God and bears the image of God. We are all children of God in this sense. Amen? And this brings us to a second and deeper way in which a person may be a child of God. And that is that all disciples of Yeshua who live lives of love are children of God. On the one hand, we are all children of God through Adam. On the other hand, we are not all children of God in the most ultimate sense of the term, because we do not all call God our Father, and we do not all seek to walk in the ways of our Father in heaven. In other words, there is a deeper way in which a person can be a child of God, and the Scriptures bear this out. For example, we are told in John chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, and let's all say this together, He, the Messiah, was in the world, and though the world was not, uh, excuse me, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. This scripture implies that not everyone is a child of God in the deepest sense. Yochanan expands on this theme of who the children of God are and how we recognize them in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, where he writes, This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Now, this is very strong language, okay? Uh, I don't know. Is this PG-rated language? I, I, um, this is very strong language. You know, normally uh, we don't talk about the devil, you know, children of the devil. But, but this is what John is saying. He's, he's putting it this way to catch our attention. He 
He's putting it this way so that we really understand uh, what following God as a child of God is very important. He says, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Wow. That's some statement. In these two passages, we see that John considered it very important to teach his community to know who the children of God are. This is not a duh question. It is not a question for philosophers and theologians alone to reflect on. It is a question for you and for me. And the answer to this question has huge implications for our lives. One becomes a child of God in the deeper sense by experiencing a spiritual rebirth, by coming to know Avinu Sheba Shemayim, our Father in heaven, through his Son, the Messiah, whom he sent to save us from our sins through his death on the cross. By receiving Yeshua into our hearts, that is, embracing who he is in our lives and what he has done for us, we become born again through the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit then empowers us from within, from within our kishkas, to be able to live a life of love. If we are not manifesting that love, that love of God, which he gives us through his spirit, through his ruach, then that is a sign, John tells us, that we are not yet children of God. Now, someone may call themselves a believer or a Christian or a Messianic Jew or a Messianic Gentile or a Messianic believer or a follower of Yeshua. But if they do not do what is right, if they do not show love for their brother, if they do not make teshuva, repent, when they mess up, then Yochanan tells us that they are not really children of God, at least the kind born of God's Spirit. Of course, none of us are perfect. We all mess up. The question is whether we own up to our mess and do something about it, or make lame excuses for not living lives of love. Like, I just can't love that person. They're unlovable. As another example, Jubus, Jewish Buddhists, have come up with what they call the sayings of the Jewish Buddhist, also known as Zen Kohens. 
One of them goes like this. The Torah says, love your neighbor as yourself. The Buddha says, there is no self. <laughs> so maybe we're off the hook. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, we should not come up with excuses like this Zen Cohen for failing to act in love toward others. Even if it is difficult, we must muster all of our spiritual energies. We must speak and act in love. In love. In love. If we are truly children of God, born of the Spirit. In response to Jubu's Jewish Buddhists who come up with lame excuses about not acting in love, we should say, in love, the journey of a thousand miles may begin with a single oi, but it will end with joy if we continually share the love of Adonai. <laughs> hey, that rhymes. Along these lines, this past week, I felt the Lord place on my heart a scripture that I think is very important for our community. Paul says at the end of his correspondence with the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Let us all read it together. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith, test yourselves. Do you not realize that Messiah Yeshua is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. All of us who consider ourselves to be disciples of Yeshua should ask ourselves from time to time if we are walking the walk and not just talking the talk. Are we really children of God, or are we posers? Are we children of God, or are we children of the devil, diabolos, as John said, as John put it so starkly? Are we identifying with our Father in heaven and Yeshua, his Son, and bearing witness for him through our words and our deeds? Or do we have a different father whom we serve with our time, our energy, and our resources? The bottom line questions are, are we doing what is right? Are our lives characterized by love for those around us? That is the ultimate litmus test of whether we are children of God, born of the Spirit in the deepest sense. Let us <clears throat> just take a minute to examine ourselves right now. And if we find that we have failed the test, then let us invite Yeshua into our hearts or back into our hearts.
Or if we know we have done this with all sincerity, that we have in the past invited Yeshua into our hearts, into our lives, let us run back to the Lord and make teshuva, like the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. And let us cling with devakut to our Father in heaven and recommit ourselves to living a life of love. Let us take a moment now to quietly examine ourselves. Avinu Shabbat I pray that any of us who've come before you and found ourselves lacking, perhaps we failed the test, or perhaps we know that we need to run back to you like that prodigal son. Father, that, um, that you would help us to get back on the wagon, but get back on the horse and, and uh, keep running ahead, even as Paul said, that he, he did not look behind him, but he pressed on to win the prize for which Messiah called him. And, Lord, I pray that we would also know of your deep love for us as our Father in heaven, that no matter what sins we've committed, no matter what uh, shortcomings we may have, that you are there for us and, and uh, with open arms always receive us back that your love is greater than the heavens, and that um, there is no place that we can go where you are not there waiting to receive us. Thank you, Lord, that you are who you are. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. We've talked about two different ways in which people can be children of God. And this brings us to the final answer to the question, how do we know who is and who is not part of the children of God? And that is, thirdly, Israel is God's firstborn son. There was once a, a teacher named Mr. Goldblatt who taught at a local synagogue's Hebrew school. 
After finishing the day's lesson, he had a custom of always leaving time for the Hebrew school students to ask him questions. Mr. Goldblatt announced little Joey, there's something I can't figure out. What's that, Joey? asked Mr. Goldblatt. Well, according to the Bible, the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, right? Right, said Mr. Goldblatt. And the children of Israel beat up the Philistines, right? All right, said Mr. Goldblatt. And the children of Israel built the temple, right? Again, you're right, said Mr. Goldblatt. And the children of Israel fought the Egyptians, and the children of Israel fought the Greeks, and the children of Israel was always doing something important, right? All that is right, too, said Mr. Goldblatt. So what's your question? What I want to know is this, demanded Joey. While all the children of Israel were doing all these important things, what were all the grown-ups doing? <laughs> we will be celebrating Passover in about a month, and on Saturday, April 4th, we will be having our congregational Seder. Have you bought your tickets yet? They're starting to go quickly, so be sure to get them early. What is Passover all about? At our Seder, we will remember that Passover is all about God revealing himself as a father who is intent on bringing his children out of Egypt. The Lord says to Moses in Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 through 23, he says, Say to Pharaoh, this is what Adonai says, Israel is my firstborn son, Beni Vechori Yisrael. And I told you, let my son go so he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. Doesn't this sound a little like a papa bear taking care of his baby bear? Clearly, the Lord views the Jewish people as his children, and he is very protective of them. Hashem says in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 9, and let's all say this one together, I am Israel's father, and Ephraim is my firstborn son. The Lord also says in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. And finally, we are told in the New Testament that the Jewish people are God's children in a unique sense. Paul writes in Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 4, he says, I speak the truth in Messiah. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Messiah for the sake of my brothers, my own flesh and blood, the people of Israel. Theirs is, the Greek is in the present tense, theirs is the adoption as sons. Clearly, 
God views the nation of Israel to be his children in a unique sense. What is the basis for this special relationship? Paul goes on to say two chapters later in Romans chapter 11, verse 28, that he says, as far as election is concerned, they, the Jewish people, are loved on account of the patriarchs. God did not choose Israel to be his firstborn because Israel was smarter or better than the other nations. Rather, it seems that God adopted Abraham as his son. And then God reckoned all of Abraham's children through Isaac and Jacob to be his children in a special and unique sense. Michael Vishagrad, one of the greatest Jewish theologians of the past century, and I have a picture of him in my office. Uh, I had the uh, privilege of visiting him in New York City and, and uh, spending some time in his home. He put it this way in his book, The Body of Faith. He writes, quote, In the Bible, it is not Abraham who moves toward God, but God who turns to Abraham. With an election that is not explained because it is an act of love that requires no explanation. If God continues to love the people of Israel, and it is the faith of Israel that he does, it is because he sees the face of his beloved Abraham in each and every one of his children, as a man sees the face of his beloved in the children of his union with his beloved." Unquote. When I read that, I, I completely understood what Professor Vishagrad was saying. Because when I see my children, when I see Elisa and Miriam and Hannah, I see Harumi. And my love for Harumi causes a special love to well up when I see my daughters. I love them for who they are, but there's a special love there because they reflect Harumi in them. God views Israel as his firstborn, and our mission as a Messianic synagogue is to help God's firstborn experience a spiritual rebirth so that Israel becomes a Messianic Jewish nation. We can only see this happen by working together just as we did at our Purim party. When our family lived in Los Angeles, in Arcadia, we often had ants visit our home. In fact, I think our house was situated on a giant anthill. If someone left food on the table or on the kitchen counter, especially if it was sweet, you could be certain that the ants would somehow discover it and start marching toward the food. What was fascinating about the ants in California is how they worked together, 
unlike the ants on the East Coast. There would be one line of ants marching to the food, and a second line of ants right next to the first line, where the ants were returning in the opposite direction with the pieces of food that they had found. In other words, they were a community working together with a common goal to eat food from the Rudolph household. <laughs> Similarly, at Tikvot Israel, we have a mission from the Lord to build a congregation for Yeshua within the house of Israel, God's firstborn. Let's work together closely in the love of God. In the love of God. Let's all say that together. In the love of God to see this mission come to pass. Today we have talked about how we are his children. And in response to the question, how do we know who is and who is not part of the children of God, I put forward three answers for our consideration based on the scriptures. And they were, number one, all human beings are children of God because we are sons and daughters of Adam, the Son of God. And we bear, all of us, without exception, we bear the image of God. Secondly, all disciples of Yeshua who live lives of love are children of God in a deeper sense because we are born of the Spirit. And the litmus test of whether we are children of God born of the Spirit is whether we do what is right and live lives of love in how we treat others. And finally, thirdly, Israel is God's firstborn son. Avinu Sheba Shemayim has a unique and precious love for Israel and views Israel as his child, as his firstborn in a special sense because of his deep and abiding love for Abraham. Our mission at Tikvot Israel is to, in love, lead this firstborn son, Israel, to her Messiah, to his Messiah, so that our people can experience all that God has in store for us and fulfill our priestly calling as a nation to bring the knowledge of the Lord to all the nations of the earth. Let's pray.